0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of RealCom Live. Um, I got to tell you, these these conversations just keep getting more exciting, more interesting, more fun. And what's really ironic is uh, we're reaching out to relationships and technologies that we've been talking to uh, about, you know, to and about for fifteen plus years. Um, we're going to continue on the theme of back to work, um, uh, flexible, uh, flex space, hybrid workplaces, immersive experiences. And I keep going back to that conversation I had with Peter Miskovich a couple weeks back saying, you know, to get people back into the office, you better make it worth the two hour commute. And, you know, that's been kind of a thought of mine for a long time. You know, am I going to just drive, you know, or drive two hours uh, in and back to the office to sit in a cube, uh, to be on a phone um, and on my computer? And I think the answer is no. So uh, along that theme, we have got a phenomenal guest today. Adrian Valichescu, I've known for 15 plus years. I think the first time we had him at RealCom was in the Middle East. And then since then he'd been at every one of our conferences. It's been his uh, graphics that you've been seeing in the general session, uh, conversations about uh, LED walls, uh, you know, bringing the outside into buildings. Uh, And again, we've been having this conversation for quite a few years and, and he is doing some things in Los Angeles and around the world that are just absolutely at the cutting edge. And I am proud and honored to call him a friend and I am so grateful to have him here today uh, to talk about what he's doing as it relates to buildings, the built environment, immersive experiences. And hold on, uh, you're going to see some things you probably have not seen. So with that, let's bring in Adrian and uh, begin our conversation. Hello, sir. How are you?
1: Good, good, good. Thanks for having me.
0: Good. And it's uh, its so I can tell you're in L.A. So it's um, uh, we were talking earlier about uh, your travels around the world and um It's good to see that you're in your home base and uh unfortunately you're sitting in the office that i want and i'm gonna have soon um and and i've i've been in some of the biggest uh the office of some of the biggest ceos in the country and i will tell you you've got the coolest office hands down of any of them
1: thank thank you
0: i'll take the fortune 10 and i bet you you've got a better office than most of those folks so
1: Hey, that's the only way to, you know, get your people to come see you occasionally. Otherwise, <laughs> everybody wants to be at home now in their pajamas.
0: So, <laughs> so uh, Ian, why don't you take me into the corner so we can see? You. Perfect. Um, so, what, we, what we're looking at is Adrian sitting in his office in Los Angeles. And, uh, Adrian, that's a perfect segue. What's your background? Tell us your story so, the, so everybody can relate to how you got to where you are today.
1: Oh, um, <clears throat> So 20 years ago, I was just uh, a guy making movies and and commercials, and uh, you know we were actually making a lot of money because uh, people would record labels would spend uh, at least two three million dollars on a music video, and um, technology advanced, cameras got cheaper, um, and uh, internet was born and all of a sudden that kind of stopped you know the budgets got slashed and it was about 2000 when um i was kind of looking around and i saw most of my colleagues going back to the small screen you know to making movies for uh stamps on a computer and uh, i i i always had this idea that you know, bigger is better, that, you yeah. know, people would, would really relate to an experience that's more immersive, where, um, you know, you could share the same visual canvas uh, amongst a lot of people, as opposed to uh, one-to-one relationships. So I was dreaming about uh, creating this media channels, this platforms. In, um, large public settings, and um, I guess the only problem was that technology was expensive at the time, yeah. and in order to make it work, I had to find some way of of making a business out of it, where developers and and uh, clients would actually see the benefit of it and and actually pay for it.
0: Now you you originally. Some of the early days, I remember, and we had you in RealCom you know, promoting to a lot of the owners and operators coming to our events, but you hit a little resistance and headed out to where they were listening a little bit more, Asia and the Middle East. Can you share a little bit of that journey with us?
1: Sure. Um, you know, as much as I wanted to start doing this in, in uh, the States, uh, it was nearly impossible to convince people to... Uh, spend the kinds of money that that we're talking about to um you know to implement a technology that was crude and new at the time so um uh i i for for whatever reason i had a very good audience in middle east i'm going to share with you some uh you know this was this was my first job in macau and uh basically the client had here four hotels. They wanted to connect them together under one single uh, media platform that was driven from one uh, computer or one uh, play awesome. system. And uh, nobody in the world could do it. So I think I was lucky enough that I had the background of filmmaking. Um, I understood uh, enough of the technology. I went to school uh, and went to film school but I studied cinematography so I had a pretty good understanding of the engineering as well as the creative part of it but, but
0: but this is where your world meets my world to accomplish that you needed some pretty sophisticated networking you needed to understand you know IP protocols I remember coming to your office and you were designing screens where every pixel you know was addressable I mean you got pretty technical pretty quick
1: well, not only that, this was 2008, and we were, uh, the challenge was to drive pixels that were two miles away, uh, with a speed of 30 frames per second. Wow. So there is no lag in, in between. And uh, we, we certainly had to do a lot of research. Um, I was fortunate enough to have uh, friends smarter than me that that uh, were in the film business with me, and, and I brought them along um and uh it took us about 2 years to figure it out but once we had the technology we could pretty much do uh you know anything that had to do with uh display technology integrated in in buildings because um once you understand that uh networking and solve that problem uh, everything is 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 a lot simpler I, I
0: think you have another project you wanted to show there you go yeah so
1: this is uh uh our second uh, largest project and and it's actually in Jakarta this time this is 2011 um so here you know you have a, a developer that um, has built a mall in the 80s and um you know by by 2005 or by 2010 when we we met him the mall was pretty old looking and and uh, it so happened that a, a brand new mall got built next door, and he was losing, you know, tenants like crazy. Uh, so he hired us to design something that would bring his clientele back, and and he wasn't even considering, you know, the the the, the business model where he could actually monetize this. So uh, this is how we started designing. This is this is the largest screen in the world. Really. Uh, about 1400 uh, uh, feet long. It wraps around uh, two city blocks. Uh, it could be seen from 10 miles away. And um, we launched it with, um, you know, uh, uh, the artwork of 50 artists from around the world. Uh, it, it made a lot of noise uh, within six months. Everybody was back and he's small and
0: you know business case right forget yeah. the technology. That's it's right cool It's a tool. That's all it is.
1: That's right um, So fast forward it took us um, uh, You know although the business started in 2005 or so it took us almost 10 years to to get our first break in the United States and
0: which, by the way, we'll talk about that in the second segment, because that's an important topic.
1: And, and um, you know, the, 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 the way we were managed to do it, uh, you know, the, the industry of outdoor signage was pretty developed, but it, it worked on very old ideas. And um, we came to market and, and said, look, you know, who wants a TV on a stick in front of a building? <laughs> and, and you know, if, if you had something that was slightly different, more integrated, first of all, it would be noticed. Um, but secondly, what matters is what you put on that screen. And uh, um, I don't know of any uh, channels, of any media channels that show advertising after advertising. You know, you, you have to give the audience uh, something they need. And and you have to commit to doing so in in the long term. It's not just hey, here's something cool, and then I'm going to switch to advertising for nope. this time. So, we created this model, you know, um, where we said hey, these are media channels, these are media platforms. They're not billboards, and as such, you know, they have a certain amount of time where you're really showing cool art and interesting content
0: right and I then wanna, wanna move, i want to move us along because we got so much to cover can you show us the other la project and then let's jump right into the studio conversation
1: here's the second one yeah similar model it it became the uh, highest revenue sign uh, within within a few months uh, on on its launch and uh, it still has some of the largest contracts for outdoor signage in United States.
0: Stunning. I've seen that one um, personally. Absolutely stunning. Yep. yep. So studios. Now all of a sudden you're moving. Oh, actually, let's yeah, let's have this quick conversation.
1: So, you know, I mean, we we did move inside the developments a long time ago, and the premise was that um, look. Uh, you, you need to change the viewer experience, the, the tenant experience inside and outside in order to be successful. Yep. This ties into your point of, you know, how do you get back people? How do you get people excited to going to the workplace? Yep. Um, and, and uh, you know, it, visual media is interesting because it really offers immediate access to culture. Culture is whatever you make of it whatever you want them to, to do with it. So um, here's a, a vehicle that, you know, it's expensive to begin with, but the value in the long term that it provides, uh, it's it's hard to compare with. Anything. Yeah, we, we've
0: been having these conversations. That, like I said, we're kind of on a theme of return to work and hybrid office and immersive experience. And and the industry feel, seems like it's struggling a little bit to understand at both the tenant side and the landlord side what does that experience feel like when you get into the office, right? And um, and I, I think you're doing some of the most cutting edge work um, out there. Before we take a, a quick commercial break, let's jump into Studio One. Give us a little history of, of your studio. And then after the break, um, we'll talk Studio Two in the NFT Gallery.
1: So um, we during the pandemic, uh, we were struggling like everybody else in, in terms of figuring out how to still communicate with clients and, and uh, uh, most importantly, how our clients could communicate with his, you know, we, with theirs. Um, so we had requests first from uh, a number of musicians that all of a sudden lost all their, you know, live gigs and uh, yeah. uh, they came along and said, hey, do you guys have any way of uh, streaming this and and doing this, uh, doing a virtual show. Uh, we happen to have the technology. We put together, um, you know, the the streaming capability and and uh, live cameras and and all of a sudden, uh, well, we, we
0: know that well because we were right there with the. I mean, Realcom was the only organization putting on live events in 2020, middle of the pandemic. Yeah. And we took you up on that studio. In fact, sat in that exact room over your shoulder, and produced a 30-person in, you know, in-building in event. And I think we brought in another 30 to 40 uh, from the outside world. Yep. One of the proudest event, proudest things I've done in my entire career was we put on two or three hybrid events in the middle of that pandemic. But guess what? We turned pain and fear into new opportunities and so much experience. I mean, we can't unlearn what you taught us and what we learned together, putting that event on. Yep.
1: Very good. Yep. Uh, well, the, the the multi-use aspect of it was was uh, the fascinating thing. I mean, soon after, uh, you know, we got into using uh, this for you know for for musicians uh, and and corporate events. We got in and using it for galleries and and uh, 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 yeah, you know this this type of multi use is kind of telling you that if you had one of this in every development uh, A class buildings, uh, they will find uh, you know a, a good use to it. It will create
0: energy. Let's hold that thought. Take a brief break. Come back, and then we're going to talk about the new studio on Melrose. Uh, the NFT gallery and if we have time, a couple questions about what the real estate community needs to understand and embrace this idea.
2: Aid a workplace that employees love with AppSpace. AppSpace is the only unified platform that simplifies employee communications and helps you manage your workplace. The modern workplace has changed. Employees want flexible work arrangements, which can create challenges for productivity, company culture, and your technology needs. The AppSpace platform combines digital signage, space reservation, an employee app, kiosks, visitor management, and content to help solve these challenges and build a successful hybrid workplace. Use AppSpace anywhere, easily integrating with your everyday tools. AppSpace helps you reach employees, keeping them engaged and improving productivity. Using the same app, your team can book rooms, desks, and resources, while you manage everything in one place. Companies all over the world trust AppSpace to help them create workplaces their employees love. Try for free at AppSpace.com.
0: All right, Adrian. Take us to uh, your most recent project, Studio Number Two on Melrose in Los Angeles. So this was
1: born out of the necessity to uh, address a client's need for um, designing the future of retail. Um, you know, they're very familiar with our model of monetizing uh, uh, signage with art and and uh, um, uh, you know, entertainment. Uh, uh, but at the same time, they had a bunch of commercial space. Um, you know that they didn't know what to do with because, uh, you know, it's hard to lease commercial space these days. Um, so we're basically asking the same question: Is like, hey, what's the future of retail space? What what? How, what does this look in the future? Because I just don't see companies doing ten-year leases and spending millions of dollars on ti's when the world is changing so fast the technology is changing so fast so um uh our response was uh, a product called SD spaces which is um basically a combination of some sort of digital display with lighting on the exterior and then um you know because most commercials have visibility to uh, you know, the, the space inside, build an immersive, very large virtual space stage. like a virtual stage, not unlike the one we had, we just showed earlier in, on, on our stage, uh, but this time is connected with the, with the sign outside, uh, is available to a brand to use for a pop-up, product launch, events, and, and then next door to it, um, we built a, whoops, next door to it, we built a um, uh, NFT space, an NFT gallery. Um, since we've seen the demand of brands wanting to get involved in the NFT world, Uh, wanted to, uh, you know, use their assets. Um, So, you know, basically the the space is split in two. So
0: so let's, let's break this down. You've got insanely high resolution LED panels, sub one, I think is what you said. So the resolution is incredible. You can put it in various shapes and sizes. And this is a place for that very confusing idea of NFTs to actually be displayed on a wall, in a public space, not in a metaverse, but in a room. So we're going to have you back to just break down NFTs, but you're doing it. So,
1: you know, the interesting thing about, to your point, uh, the the understanding of a digital artwork uh, up to our proposal was that hey, it's something that exists on your phone and you have it in a wallet and you know, you're proud to be an owner of it. That's your contract for uh, you know, uh, owning a piece of artwork. And uh, as we were looking at the space, we kind of scratched our head and said, wait a minute, you know, why would anyone spend so much money on digital artwork if no one else could see it? Um, so we basically created a uh, product called Luma Canvas, which is a high-end, uh, larger color space, higher resolution, cool. uh, three-dimensional product that is is kind of museum grade, where artists could feel comfortable to display their their artwork. Um, and and uh, we created the first. Um, on virtual the first physical nft gallery um is this we, the first one in the country this is the first one in the country we launched it um, about a year ago at um, uh, the la art show and then we moved in into is the, else anywhere in the world done this yet um, not to our knowledge, uh, there are uh, attempts to uh, create museums, NFT museums. Uh, we've been approached
0: by people in Europe.
1: Singapore um, had an
0: interesting digital museum across from the Marina Bay Sands. Not, you know, in the same ballpark, but not the same game, so to speak. I mean, that's right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, w- w- I mean, we could talk for hours. You got so much cool stuff to to show us, but we're going to run out of time. Two questions: Why is this important? to you know, people who own malls, office buildings, mixed-use projects, anybody with a building that wants to give people a reason to come back, why is it important to them?
1: You know, um, I, I could tell you uh, that if you don't change the way you do business and, and if you don't um, apply what we know about the young generation, their habits, uh, their Their day to day approach i mean we 've learned that um, the attention span is lower we learned that you know they need technology to to uh, kind of be around and and communicate um, we 've got to change with the generation right. you know we 've got to understand uh, the new way of communicating and looking at things and uh, uh, you know, people want to experience technology and want to experience culture. And if you're just trying to sell me soap all day long, I'm just going to get bored and walk away from, from that, you know, and never I, look back. I
0: bring up A real interesting point is this generational issue. A lot of the folks in the real estate industry are our age, right, in our age group. But they've lived in a world of physical space for so long. And, and they're afraid, I think, of the digital space because it's so new. You and I have lived in both spaces for our almost our entire career, so it's easier. Um, what did? What's the single thirty second advice you'd give to somebody in the built environment? You're in an elevator. You got thirty seconds. What do you say?
1: Look, I mean, uh, the the old models have to change. Uh, if one wants to be successful, you know, you have to reanalyze the way you know you do business and and you sell real estate and uh it's clear that uh developers need uh revenue models new revenue models um y- you know we've been at the forefront of of inventing a few of them i'm sure there are other people in the in the space that um participate and and help change uh, the the dynamics of that relationship um but the most important thing is to keep inspiring your audience. You know, if if you do manage to create a culture of inspiring them, they'll always come back.
0: I agree. Unfortunately, we're out of time. I mean, I want to have you back because I, I, there's so many of these topics that I want to go deeper on. Um, and hopefully we can get you to Orlando um, in June because we're reassembling again, getting back on our normal June cadence. Uh, going to have a great time at the Orlando Convention Center. Uh, literally going to be bringing in some of these technologies that you and I have been talking about today, not just to talk about them, but to see them, feel them, touch them, experience them. We're going to have a real live back again, our studio in, in on our exhibit floor. So hopefully we can get you there uh, one way or the other, either in person or virtually, uh, And if, if that's the case. But um, thank you so much for coming on today. And uh, thanks for being a friend and allowing me to to follow you on your great journey over the last 15 plus years.
1: Always great to be back with friends. Thank you, Jim.
0: All right, have a great day, be well.
1: Thank you, bye-bye.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you the, um, one of the things I love about um, what's going on uh, in the last probably six months of RealCom Live is that there's so many new ideas and everything, but we're reaching out to folks who've been at this for five, 10, 15, 20 years. And their ideas were brilliant twenty years ago, and now the rest of the world's catching up. So um, it's just always a pleasure to have people like Adrian on and, and showing us the future. All right, let's bring in Howard. Howard, uh, I took a couple more minutes uh, from your news. I apologize, but uh, want you. It was hard. I could have gone on for. Oh, I know.
3: With Adrian, that's t- that's a tough one. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks, Jim. I, I mean, Adrian, uh, it was so good having him and watching standard. And I, I mirror your uh, your feeling to watching Standard Vision evolve over the past. 15 years has not just been exciting. It's been an adventure. Um, Having someone like Adrian in our midst has has really been a blessing. So uh, Adrian, thank you for joining us today. So I'm gonna go right into the news, a couple of key articles from our weekly briefing that goes out every Thursday morning. So this week's lead article is actually from Jim himself. Um, Now you've all heard of the great resignation. It's the, you know, that pandemic induced shift in the labor market that we've been experiencing over the past two years. Now, this week's lead article is entitled The Great Reconfiguration, capital R-E. We're also seeing a shift, but in migration patterns, urban design, family dynamics, transportation, organizational structure, entertainment, education, health services, and so on. Uh, and this is having a massive societal impact that's gonna inevitably change the way we use buildings. This combined effective distributed mobile workforces You get cloud-based business enterprise solutions, smart buildings, integrated, immersive experiences like we just saw, are going to require a well-defined blend of physical space and technology. So this great, idea of the great reconfiguration is actually our theme for the June 2022 conference in Orlando. And we're going to be diving in and exploring some of the immense opportunities that are going to be emerging for our industry. So it's a thought-provoking read. Uh, Next, I want to shout out to this week's tech partner, Facilio, for their article entitled 2022 O&M Tech Resolutions for Operations Professionals. And the main message here is that if you haven't already, 22, 2022 should probably be the year that you wrap your arms around operations and maintenance and start corralling all the data from your siloed systems, software buildings uh, in your portfolio into a single pane of glass. Now, we're talking about a modern CMMS, a computerized maintenance management system. And that's going to not only give you greater visibility into your portfolio's performance, but also better control and actionable insights, plus Probably the best features you're going to be able to automate workflows from work order all the way to completion. Now that's Facilio's message and exactly what they've been uh, what they're they're bringing to the industry since 2017. Good article. Um, also, now Yardi uh, has just introduced their newly launched Elevate Revenue. It's an end-to-end system of asset management solutions, and they do this by integrating uh, the edge marketing deal manager commission track legal module, which is their dynamic lease generation, and edge research that gives you access to a database of 14 million properties, 1.3 million owners, and over 840,000 tenants uh, into, an integrated, uh, into an integrated solution. Um, one other thing on this, I have a correction, correction to make. In last week's briefing, one of our featured articles incorrectly identified this offering as elevate income instead of elevate revenue so we apologize for the error with any con- any confusion it may have caused uh, finally and and i think this is the big one you know we've been following uh closely how china's rise to power is going to be impacting global geopolitics and directly challenging i think our democratic way of life So made in Beijing, the plan for global market domination, and this is a 32 minute YouTube video. It's presented by the FBI's Office of the Private Sector Counterintelligence and Training. And in the world of global adversaries, uh, the People's Republic of China, probably numero uno with their sustained brazen campaign of industrial espionage. Now the PRC poses the greatest single threat to our freedom, national security, and economic vitality. And this made in Beijing video by the FBI, it just came out this week, it sounds the alarm, so that the private sector starts recognizing the the urgent need to protect their crown jewels against industrial espionage. So everyone, you need to watch this, understand how these attack vectors may directly impact you and your organizations. So yeah. with that, that's how it. Howard, you,
0: you, you knocked it out of the park again. And let me comment on two of the articles uh, that you referenced. The one, yes, I wrote, uh, I think it's a good article, not because I wrote it, but it comes from 25 to 30 years of observing our industry, you know, how technology impacts built environment. And, and, the, and let's just be real clear. The great reconfiguration it's not just about building reconfiguration—an office to an apartment building, or a mall to a, a digital, uh, you know, event center like Adrian's talking about. It's a reconfiguration of lives, of business practices, of habits, and you know, we've been feeling this for 15 years—Amazon and and you know, WeWork and all these you know new ideas playing at the edges. It's here to stay in and, 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 and at least in our opinion and that's the reason we wrote this article that's why we're de- designating it as our theme and I would encourage everybody to read it uh, kind of get an idea of what we're planning in June second article uh, is the, is the China tech uh, FBI article we've been having these conversations in earnest since 2019 uh, and even before and uh, you know a lot of times people said well you know don't be paranoid or you know don't be a, you know, afraid and and I, I had access to the information that, that put me in a pretty good place to understand what was really going on, but had to be careful on how we presented the information.
2: Mm-hmm. Well,
0: now that the FBI, our FBI, is saying the same thing we've been saying for a number of years, that we have a very big competitor in our hands, and, and there's another good article that I'd encourage everybody to Google research, uh, um, is uh, the uh, bifurcation by Eric Schmidt, the great technical bifurcation, meaning a Western internet and an Eastern internet. And this comes from the former chairman and CEO of Google. Uh, And so we're not gonna overreact like we never do, but we're gonna take it serious and we're gonna understand what implications it has to all those people trying to figure out how technology plays out in the real estate industry. So uh, great job on those uh, articles, not mine, but the other ones. (laughs) Um, And um, as always, you did a, a great job with the news. Thanks. Thanks, Jim. Okay, have a great weekend. You too. All right, uh, so much going on. Uh, Let's take our final break and I'll come back and give you an idea of what we're gonna be talking about next week.
2: Commercial real estate investment is complex and difficult to manage. DealPath makes it easy to focus on what matters. You can easily share documents with internal and external partners with customizable access settings so people only see what's appropriate. DealPath organizes all your deal information, files, and communications in one place. DealPath's powerful reporting tools allow you to quickly analyze deals across your pipeline so you can mitigate risks and execute flawlessly. DealPath, this is smart deal management.
0: All right, um, next week, uh, we're gonna return to a conversation we had almost one year ago today. We are gonna bring back Ben Trennell, senior design project manager from Genser, actually was the gentleman who got me on top of the Shanghai Tower as he was the project manager for that building in Shanghai. And then Hans Neubert, who's in charge of the digital innovation strategy side of Genser, an architectural design firm. He is responsible for everything digital. And what we're gonna do is we're gonna revisit the conversation we had one year ago about the hybrid workplace. What does that mean? What did we learn? What did they see? They are one of the, They have some of the biggest projects in the world uh, under their uh, guidance right now. And uh, it's going to be a great conversation to see what's happening at the front of the line uh, on the workplace, the hybrid workplace. And then we're going to kind of tie what we talked about with Adrian today into that conversation. And we're probably going to bring in the conversations we had with Peter Miskovich a few weeks back. It's moving fast. We're going to the best experts in the world, and it's going to be a great episode. So please join us next week, Gensler, uh, hybrid workplace one year later. You all have a great day, great weekend. Be well, and we'll see you next Friday.